Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Department 12, where we talk about everything IO Psych. I'm your host, Dr. Ben Butina. Joining me today is Henry Mindidza. Henry, how are you today? I'm doing great, Dr. Butina. How are you doing? I'm doing just fine, and you can call me Ben. You are a third-year graduate student in IO Psych at Portland State University, right? Yes, I am. What are your research interests, and, and like, sort of where are you in your program? So I finished my first two years of classes, and my research interests are around diversity, equity, and inclusion, recruitment, selection, and training. So really thinking about how do you make sure you're selecting the best employees and that those employees that are being selected are being selected based on the merits that they have, regardless of the background. And then from there, when once they're on the job, how do you then think about the skills that they need to continue to produce their best work? And from there, how do you then develop that training and evaluate whether it was actually effective? Well, that's a big topic, but an important one. So I wish you the, the best of luck in, in your research. The topic of today's show, though, is mentoring in graduate school. And I know that that's something you're doing now. Could you just give us a little background? Like, how did you hear about that process and, and what got you interested in it? Topic of mentorship was something that actually stood out well before I started my PhD. It was when I was doing my, my associate's degree at Montgomery College in, in Maryland. And it was it was interesting because, you know, when you're when you're at a community college, you're seeing students from all spectrums of the the sure. career trajectory. So whether it's high school students who've who've just been getting closer and closer to getting to college, whether it's people coming from twenty year careers and trying to switch and transition, and whether it's more traditional students who are just moving along and trying to get their degrees. And so being there in that sort of place made me ask a lot of questions around what kinds of things do people need to be successful and how how do we address the gaps that, that might be there for different students? And so going along in my educational journey, it was asking myself that question more and more. And that was part of what made IO Psychology jump out to me. And so I've been trying to find ways to to make that happen. So when I was at UMBC, I was a transfer student network leader. And in that work, I was helping to facilitate an easier transition for first year tra transfer students to UMBC. So thinking about how do you adjust to a new school, a new program possibly, and how do you make sure that you have the resources that you feel like you might need for wherever you want to go. And thinking about that was so exciting for me because as someone who's always enjoyed the, the research process and then just the process of problem solving, it's uh, fascinating to, to try to consider where I can best help people to, to move themselves along and answering those questions, answering those questions that didn't have overly clear answers. So in thinking about that, it was when I was applying for PhD programs in particular, I found myself with the the trouble of, I've never applied for a PhD program before. I've never applied for a PhD program in IO psychology in particular. So yeah. how do I find the resources to get those answers of what that is like? How do I bridge that gap for myself so it doesn't feel like you know PhD life is 
this esoteric thing that can never be conquered. And I found myself asking questions and reaching out to people and asking more questions. And the I'm so grateful to all the people who got the chance to speak to because of that, because I learned so much beyond just being in the classroom and doing the research. And I've wanted to make sure that those who don't have those sorts of resources or don't have the kinds of people because they, they can ask those questions to can know that I could be someone who they could ask that about. So it sounds like you kind of focus on helping people when there's not a clear or direct answer. So anything that can find its way into a student handbook or a syllabus, it ends up there. But not every question has such a clear-cut answer. Could you share an example of like maybe the kind of question that you get as a mentor? I think questions around how do you approach managing your schedule is a big one. Because going back to thinking about life before I started my PhD, being lucky enough to be surrounded by people who are pursuing it, there was somewhat the feeling that, you know, PhD life could be all consuming. And, you know, you're you're doing all of this work and you're seeking this this degree that indicates that you are an expert in this particular field, in this particular topic area. And um, that the pursuit of that can be draining. Yeah. Um, and so the thought of, you know, like, how do you, how do you then find time for yourself in life while you're still doing this and while you're still trying to, to be successful is a big one. I think things around how do you, how do you approach class assignments is another big one. Or how do you deal with, you know, supervisor dynamics or interactions with faculty or just general, I I want to do something with my life. Psychology is really interesting and I don't really know what exactly in psychology I want to do. So how do I how do I get from knowing I want to study psychology and have a career in it to I know I want to be a counseling psychologist or I know I want to do behavioral neuroscience or IO psychology. Okay. So you're a mentor currently, right? I am, yes. So I I'm mentoring more informally at the moment. Uh, in my time at SUNY Albany, I was as a part of their psychology undergraduate mentor mentorship program. So they they would pair us up with an undergrad psych student, and we'd then be able to to help them talk about you know what kinds of career options do you have and how how can we best be a resource. Uh, and beyond that, just people in my network reaching out and, and saying we we have someone who's interested in psychology or IO psychology and you can you have a quick conversation with them. And would you say like most of those requests really are a quick conversation or do some of them develop into longer term mentoring relationships? I think it depends. The the ones that are about students seeking help with applying to graduate school are a little bit longer necessarily so there's 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 more that goes into that from thinking about the school you might want to go to, to how do you decipher which research interests jump out 
or how do you deal with writing a personal statement, anything like that. And so those conversations are a little bit more in depth, but then questions around just, I'm debating between these two or three possibilities. What are your thoughts? And just trying to help help people think through where, where they want to go. Those conversations tend to be a little bit shorter. And it me, means I just leave the door open to if they want to, to follow up, they can. If if they don't, then they, they don't feel, need to feel obligated to do so. Yeah. What is the hardest part of being a mentor to, to this population? It's a good question. I would say dealing with the misconceptions. Um, misconceptions in a number of ways. So in one way, like I mentioned before, graduate school is both a massive undertaking and it is also not something that has to consume your life, yeah. right? So, so dealing with that misconception, I think things around how do you break down the fact that you might be signing up for a five-year PhD program into thinking about, oh, wait, hold on. It's not it's not just five years. It's, it's three years of classes. It's the last two years maybe for other research or your dissertation. You, you might have an initial research project along the way or a thesis. And how do you make it more tangible and make it more approachable for, for people? I think misconceptions around IO psychology in general. In things around, you know, okay, so are you doing therapy in the workplace? Are you, you know, diagnosing problems in a particular way? What does it mean to consider things like diversity, equity, and inclusion in the workplace? And all sorts of things like that. So you sound like an altruistic person. I wonder, is there anything that you get from this other than, you know, the satisfaction of helping other people? Do you learn from the people you mentor at all? Necessarily so. And I think that what I've learned most is that there, there are things to learn from everyone. And I would never want to approach any sort of mentorship conversation from a place of, you know, all-knowingness or something like that. There's There's a number of times where I'm sitting there trying to answer a question and then then I think to myself, wait, hold on, let's 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 Google this together. Let's let's try to figure this out. Because, you know, this is a question that's interesting to me as well. Now I also want to know. And then how do you how do you sort of work through it from there? Uh, so I think the the biggest thing is seeing seeing someone come back a few months later or a year later and say you know what, the, that conversation that we had really helped me figure out where I wanted to go. That conversation yeah. helped me realize that, you know, IO psychology wasn't for me or that IO psychology really was or uh, whatever it is that they might be pursuing inside or outside of psychology. So I think that's definitely the biggest thing that I get from it. And it's, for me, that's more than enough because I I came to IO psychology because I wanted to make the world of work better for people and think about that through the the systems in the workplaces that, that we inhabit day to day. And so 
if if I can help facilitate someone's progression towards one of those workplaces and even have them become a more critical thinker in the process of considering where they want to go, then then I've been successful. And, uh, you know, whatever else comes as a result of that is is just a bonus. That's fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I especially appreciate you sharing that you don't have to know everything to be a mentor, right? I think that's what scares some people away from from offering to be in that role is the idea that it's really just all about, you know, sharing your wisdom and your advice. And I'm sure that you do plenty of that, but it's not always what mentoring is about. Sometimes, like you said, it's it's sitting down with Google with someone and, and figuring it out together. Uh, if someone's looking for a mentor, what advice would you give them? Sit down. Get a piece of paper out or get the note section of your phone out wherever you write things down and, and ask yourself, where, where do I want to go? Uh, I think that that question mm. helps make the searching process a lot easier. So, you know, if you, if you feel like you really want to um, go pursue behavioral neuroscience and maybe you really shouldn't talk to a political scientist, yeah. right? Thinking about that as a thing for yourself, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I think beyond that, then asking, okay, so if this is what I want to pursue, like if we're taking IO psychology as an example, I know I want to do IO psychology. So now, now that I know that, who do I know that's either doing something within IO psychology or knows someone who's doing IO psychology related work? And so how do I then? get to the person who can help show me a little bit more about what pursuing mm -hmm. IO psychology is like or whatever it is that, that one wants to pursue. Mm -hmm. And I think doing both of those things makes the search so much quicker because I think the lack of clarity can be where a lot of the stress and the, the feelings of uncertainty might come from. And I know that for for me, like I'm, I'm a very detailed person. And so when I was thinking about the kinds of mentors that I would want for, for myself, I was thinking about it in, in that particular way. Like, okay, so I want to do IO psychology. I know I'm really interested in diversity, equity, and inclusion. And, and at UMBC, I did this research around this. And so I want to talk to people who are doing that sort of stuff. I, you know, as a, as, as a black man in America from Zimbabwe, like I know I'd want people who would recognize and understand some mm -hmm. of the experiences I might have had um, and the nuances that I bring to the work that, that I want to do. So how do I then find people who are doing some of that? And for me, that was through, you know, like, like Black Sanayo Psychology, which mm -hmm. is, which is a wonderful resource for me and opportunity to be uplifted professionally and personally as I'm seeking to go with IO psychology. So it's those, those things definitely jump out most. And I think beyond that, being okay with your mind changing along the way, mm. um, I think there's, there's a real fear of change. Mm. And whether that change is, okay, I want, I want to pursue this thing. And I want to 
have people in my corner who have done this thing, who can tell me about what this is like, but I don't really know what that next step looks like, and so I'm not going to take it. And I would push people who are thinking about seeking mentors to to be okay with, you know, circumstances shifting, whether that means this mentor was here for a season and has helped me in this season, and in this mm-hmm. next season, maybe it's not the best. Or, you know, this, like my research interests have changed along yeah. the way. So how do I then expand my network? Or how do I then ask the people I know to help me continue to progress along the way? It's the you and your mentor ideally should be growing together. It's a, a two-way street. The, the the mentee learns from the mentor the experiences they have, and then the the mentor gets an idea of what kinds of things do do I wish that I knew when I was them when I was at their stage, and how do I fill in that gap, and what kinds of things are they bringing to their experience that I don't know, and what can I do with that, and what does that mean? If I'm a graduate student and I'm looking for a mentor. Um, to help me with the kinds of questions you just discussed. Would you recommend finding someone who's also in graduate school or maybe recently graduated or someone who's got significantly more experience? Yes, I I would say both. And I say that partially because my mentors both early career and, you know, like significantly more experience. Uh, And I think the perspective that comes from that is really important. Um, And the the infusing of, okay, so uh, I I guess the almost like a big brother concept, right? You you come in as a first year in your program and you have fourth and fifth year like PhD students who, who put their arm around your shoulder and say, you know, we're going to take some time to talk about what this program is like from our perspective and make sure that you're as successful as possible. Uh, and that's that's really important because now you know, okay, so these people are looking out for me and they're coming with a perspective of, you know, having gone through the first few years of graduate school, but still in the environment and still in the space. And there's value to that perspective to uh, give you some context. And the people who are significantly more experienced might not be able to provide that same perspective because they've been removed from the academic environment for a number of years. But then on the other hand, all of that experience they've gained over their careers in navigating, okay, so I've finished my qualifying exams, how do I pick a dissertation topic? Or I've defended my dissertation and graduated. How do I then approach early career life? You know, how do I then approach finding a suitable organization for me? What what sort of spaces might I want to work in? What lessons have I learned from maybe starting my own consulting company or working in a small startup or a larger organization? And so for me, having both of those sides has just enriched the way I think about 
our psychology so much and I'm very grateful for it. Yeah, I I agree with you there. I think having a near mentor and a far mentor, um, those are just terms I've made up, but I almost think about it like climbing a mountain, you know, someone who has, Mm -hmm. you know, climbed a mountain 20 years ago can give you perspective that that someone who just is walking in front of you can't, but the person who's walking just in front of you is walking the same trail, you know, that they see more of what you're seeing and their like sort of immediate experience might be more relevant. So getting the best of both worlds sounds pretty great for someone who's willing to put in the work to find the right people to do it. You talked about your research interests at the beginning of the episode, mm-hmm. and I'm sure that mentoring plays some part in that. But I wonder what you would research about mentoring if you were given, you know, an unlimited budget, unlimited time, some staff. Like, what are the questions about mentoring that you would like to know about? Before I answer that question, as somewhat of a stall, so I can think of an answer to that question. <laughs> do love the the mountain metaphor uh, as you know like i don't want to like like the person in front of you can make sure you don't fall off with some some corner that comes along some some cliff edge the person further along has already done it can can guide you through how do you approach climbing mountains in general I really use that that analogy a lot when I work with new managers. So in an organizational setting, there's this tendency, I think, for like a new manager to, to want a mentor who's, you know, like a vice president or, or something like that. And, you know, the vice president or the senior leader can certainly give you a perspective that you uh, could value. But it has been a long time since that person was a new manager. So the immediate trail, you know, the immediate steps that are right in front of you, not only has it been a long time for them, but the trail may have changed. You know, it's probably different being a new manager now than it was 20 years ago when that person was starting out. Mm-hmm. And so I have a tendency to encourage new managers to look for, you know, what I call a near mentor or a Sherpa mentor would be another way to put it is this mm-hmm. is somebody who's, you know, who can climb the mountain, they're going to be a few steps ahead of you, but they're close enough to what you're experiencing to give you good, you know, practical advice on the steps that are immediately in front of you. Whereas that person who's maybe climbed the mountain a bunch of times has a perspective that the the Sherpa does not. Um, Yeah. And uh, hopefully that bought you some time. (laughs) No, no, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I, I love a good, good mountain segue and in thinking about the mountain and in a way i would really want to explore factors that that lead someone to seek mentorship um, like how how do people how do individuals you know can consider the the question of you know seeking some some sort of role model because essentially like a, a mentor is a it's a professional role model in a way that you get to talk to. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, what kinds of things lead someone to seek that is an important question. And what kinds of things make peop- two people from different backgrounds have different responses in terms of even approaching mentorship? So, you know, what, what, is, what is the difference between a first-year first Iowa Psychology PhD student who... You know, it was from a, it was raised in an affluent area, 
has had access to to quality resources has has gone to to schools where faculty and classmates are supportive and high achieving and all of that and and another student who's uh, not had access to those same things you know what kinds of barriers are there what kinds of barriers are there maybe for students who are first generation yeah um, like even just the the questions of you know um even some of the questions that that I ask myself about mentorship you know that that comes that might come partially from me not being a first generation college student and so how do you then approach all of that and then from there what what sort of things really predict a successful mentor mentoring relationship what sort of characteristics and I'm sure that some of these things have been explored in the re- in the literature, and you know, if they they haven't, then that that'd be a crying shame. Uh, but you know, how do you how do you make sure that you're picking a good mentor? How does a mentor make sure that they're picking a mentee that they're best placed to best support? You know, like it's it would be a disservice as a mentor for me to say I'm going to take someone on to try to help them in their career when I'm not capable or qualified in the ways that they best need, right? So what what sorts of things are influencing there? And then how do you, what are metrics for success for mentorship? And what, what are metrics for success that most people in mentor-mentee relationships most often think about? Whether it's, you know, like tangible progression, like I got a promotion, I got into graduate school, I got my degree, yeah, or if it's just things like I feel less stressed about life, or anything in in those sorts of spaces. So you know those questions and and many many more. Henry, I wanted to thank you for being on the show. I feel like I've learned a lot, and you've given me a lot to think about as well. Is there a way that a listener who maybe had some follow up questions could contact you? Absolutely. So the the best way is is through LinkedIn, so I would I would love to to have people reach out, ask questions, so so that we can learn from each other. I I've always been described by my friends and family as uh, voraciously curious, and so I opened all the all the questions and trying to dig through what what does that all look like i yeah so i will definitely share that link to your profile to linkedin in the show notes and on the episode page for the show and i would encourage any listener who's kind of on the fence about whether whether they want to reach out for mentorship or you know they have questions to please do it you know like don't uh, don't stay sitting on the fence the worst someone can say is no, and it won't be that bad. And and Henry certainly won't, will be willing to help. So yeah, I encourage you to take the initiative. And Henry, I just wanted to thank you again for being on the show. I hope you have a, a great rest of your academic career. And I look forward to hearing what you get up to after graduation too. Yeah. Thank you, Ben, so much for, and for having me on the show as well. I've been a listener of the Department 12 podcast since I was applying for IOPHE programs. And that's great. Um, it's, it's been 
very educational for, for me to hear the conversations you have with such wonderful career professionals. I hope that, you know, for listeners that they're continuing to learn as well along the way and, you know, just, just seeking to, to grow as pursuing their professional goals. Well, thank you for sharing that. It's very gratifying. I think you made my day, Henry. So <laughs> have a good one. As to you, man.